What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of it left. Welcome to my friends and enemies. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and a special thank you to Kayla Pipkins for writing and research. Now, let's explore some evil. Tonight, friends and enemies, I'll take you on a journey into the first internet serial killer and how he used BDSM to lure some of his victims into his sordid spiderweb of lies. This is the story of the Slave Master. Serial killer, rapist, kidnapper, con artist, Many of us have a default image that comes to mind when we hear these words. Whether it is the deceitful smirk of Ted Bundy or the piercing, deranged eyes of Aileen Warnos, we like to believe that our perception of others is without fault and that those around us surely are who they claim to be. Every so often, however, someone will come along and remind us that even behind the kindest eyes and a seemingly respectable character can lie incomprehensible evil. This is a story about the first internet serial killer. John Edward Robinson was the middle of five children Born on a cold December 27, 1943, as kind of a late Christmas present for the family from Cicero, Illinois. His father was allegedly an alcoholic, and his mother was domineering and strict. He became an Eagle Scout at just 14 years old in 1957, and even went to London to perform for the Queen. He decided that he would join the seminary and become a priest and enrolled at Quigley Prep School. He dropped out soon after due to disciplinary reasons which were not disclosed. He enrolled at Morton Junior College to start a career as an x-ray tech, but dropped out after just two years. In 1962, he married Nancy Jo Lynch and started a family, having four children soon after. Robinson soon decided to try out the criminal lifestyle, and he stuck with that. 1969, Kansas City, Missouri, Robinson is arrested for embezzlement. He took $33,000 from the medical practice he worked for after forging documents that said he was a licensed x-ray tech. He got a slap on the wrist, three years probation, which he violated in 1971 by moving to Chicago. 
He got a job with R.B. Jones as an insurance salesman and went right back to embezzlement. He was sent back to Kansas City and his probation was extended. He got another extension in 1975 when he was arrested for security and mail fraud for forming a fake medical consulting business and swindling his customers. Robinson tried his best to talk the talk of a law-abiding, community-minded citizen. He was a scoutmaster, baseball coach, and Sunday school teacher. Robinson swindled his way right up the ladder to the board of directors of a charity and forged letters from the executive director to the mayor and other civic leaders of the city. In the letters, he gave praise to himself for his volunteer efforts, generosity, and moral character. He forged his way to the organization's Man of the Year and through an award ceremony and fancy dinner for himself. Robinson finally completed his probation in 1979 and was promptly arrested on charges of, you guessed it, embezzlement and check forgery. He served 60 days in jail for the offenses. Soon after his release, he formed a fake hydroponics company. He also swindled his friend into investing $25,000 and promised a quick turnaround so his friend could pay for his dying wife's medical bills. Around this time is when he allegedly propositioned multiple neighbors' wives for sex and he found himself in a physical altercation with one of the husbands. Soon after, he joined a sadomasochism cult that called itself the International Council of Masters. His title was Slave Master, and his main job was to lure victims to gatherings where they would be raped. In 1984, John's aspirations rose as he started two fake companies, Equiplus and Equitoo. Robinson hired a real sales rep, 19-year-old Paula Godfrey, who told her friends Robinson was sending her out of town to learn her trade. After not hearing back from their daughter for some time, Paula's parents filed a missing persons report. Police investigated Robinson, who claimed no knowledge of her whereabouts. Her parents soon would receive a typed letter from their daughter praising Robinson and saying that she was fine and just didn't want to see her family. The police ended their investigation because Paula was over 18 and there was no evidence of foul play. Paula Godfrey has never been seen or heard from since. In 1985, Robinson chose the name John Osborne for his next crime where he chose his prey from a battered women's shelter. Lisa Stasi was promised a job, apartment, and daycare for her four-month-old daughter. Robinson got the woman to sign some blank documents for one of the cruelest schemes yet. He forged fake adoption papers complete with judge and lawyer signatures and sold the baby to his brother for $5,500 in legal fees. Robinson's brother and sister-in-law had been trying to adopt a baby legally for years with no luck. Robinson told them that the mother had committed suicide. DNA testing proved that their adopted daughter was actually an abducted baby named Tiffany Stasi. Lisa Stasi was never heard from again.
1987, he chose 27-year-old Catherine Clampett for his next victim. She had left her child with her parents in Texas and went to KC to find employment. Instead, she found John Robinson, who offered her a job with a new wardrobe and extensive travel. She vanished without a trace in June of 1987. She is considered a missing person, and the case remained open. Robinson was incarcerated from 1987 to 1993, first in Kansas for fraud, then in Missouri for fraud and parole violations. At Western Missouri Correctional Facilities, he sweet-talked the prison librarian, and when Robinson was released, she left her husband to be with him. Beverly Bonner moved to Kansas to work for Robinson. He arranged for her alimony checks to go to a P.O. box, and she was never heard from again. But the checks kept getting cashed. By then, Robinson had started to stalk the internet using the name Slave Master on social networking sites. His future victims had to enjoy the role of submissive partner in the BDSM scene. He soon found Sheila Faith, a retired 45-year-old mother caring for her wheelchair-bound daughter. Robinson used the ruse of a wealthy businessman who would give Sheila a job and pay for her daughter's medical bills. Once she moved to Kansas City and Robinson figured out how to cash her pension checks, Faith and her daughter disappeared. Robinson began to make a name for himself as the slave master on the BDSM scene. He offered a bondage relationship to Isabella Lewicka in 1999. She was a Polish immigrant living in Indiana. She moved to Kansas City to be with John, who had offered her a job as well as a wedding ring. Robinson didn't let already being married interfere with his marriage to Lewicka. He brought her to the country register for a marriage license, but never went back to pick it up. She told her parents she was married, but they didn't even know her husband's name. Robinson gave her a 115-item slave contract, which she signed, allegedly. It gave him control over almost every part of her life, including bank accounts. She disappeared during the summer of 99, and was not seen again. Robinson told one of his employees that she had been caught doing drugs and was deported. Soon after Lewicka's disappearance, Suzette Troughton and LPN from Michigan moved to Kansas City to be his slave and travel the world. Troughton's mother received letters allegedly from her daughter that were supposed to be from all around the world, but were all postmarked Kansas City. Her mother thought they were fakes because the letters were free from common mistakes her daughter made with grammar. Robinson eventually told Troughton's mother that she had run off with an acquaintance after stealing money from him. 
Robinson began to make careless mistakes and wasn't covering his tracks as well as he had in the past. He'd probably gained some confidence that he would get away with whatever his scam was because he hadn't been caught recently. But the authorities were on to him and his name popped up in more and more missing persons cases. June 2000, Robinson gets arrested at his farm in Kansas. He was charged with sexual battery from a woman and another claimed he had stolen over $1,000 in her sex toys. Thanks to the theft charge, the police were able to secure a warrant to search his farm. The task force found 85-pound drums with the remains of Isabella Lewicka and Suzette Troughton. In Missouri, authorities were searching a storage locker rented by Robinson and found three drums containing the remains of Beverly Bonner, Sheila Faith, and her daughter, Debbie Faith. All the women were killed from blunt force trauma to the head. Robinson stood trial in 2002 for the murders of Suzette Troughton, Isabella Lewicka, and Lisa Stasi. There were numerous charges. The trial was the longest in Kansas at the time, and Robinson was convicted on all counts and was sentenced to death for the murders of Troughton and Lewicka and life imprisonment for Stasi since her murder happened before the reinstatement of the death penalty in Kansas. He got 5 to 20 years for interfering with the parental custody of Stasi's baby and 20 and a half years for kidnapping Troughton and 7 months for theft convictions. Then, Robinson faced murder charges in Missouri, and Robinson's attorneys did not want a trial there. Chris Coster, the Missouri prosecutor, insisted as a condition of any plea bargain that Robinson lead authorities to the bodies of Lisa Stasi, Paula Godfrey, and Catherine Clampett. Robinson refused, but Coster was still pressured into a plea agreement because his case wasn't a slam dunk. There was no direct evidence that the murders took place in Missouri. Robinson was under pressure to accept a plea agreement to avoid the death penalty. However, a compromise was reached in 2003. Robinson acknowledged that Coster had enough evidence to convict him of capital murder in the cases of Godfrey, Clampett, and Bonner, and the Faiths And he received a life sentence without the possibility of parole for each of the murders. In November 2015, the Kansas Supreme Court vacated the Troughton and Stasi murder convictions on technicalities, but upheld the Lewicka conviction and its accompanying death sentence. The ruling marked the first time that Kansas's highest court has upheld a death sentence since the reinstatement of capital punishment there in 1994. Robinson currently remains on death row at the El Dorado Correctional Facility in Kansas. In 2005, Nancy Robinson filed for divorce after 41 years of marriage, citing incompatibility and irreconcilable differences. In 2006, Lisa Stasi's daughter, known since her adoption as Heather Robinson, filed a civil suit against Truman Medical Center in Kansas City and social worker Karen Gaddis, 
The suit accused Gaddis of putting John Robinson in contact with Stasi and her newborn daughter in 1984, after he told Gaddis that he ran a charitable organization providing assistance to unwed mothers of white babies. In 2007, Heather Robinson and the hospital reached a settlement for an undisclosed sum, which Robinson said she would split with her biological grandmother, Patricia Sylvester. Heather Robinson won a second judgment in 2007, preventing John Robinson from profiting from any future potential book sales or film rights. In 2006, the body of a young woman was found in a barrel in an area of rural Iowa, where Robinson reportedly had a business partner. The identity of the victim, whose remains, forensic experts say, could have been in the barrel for 20 years or more, and Robinson's possible involvement remain open questions. Kansas and Missouri police note that the long stretches of Robinson's time remain unaccounted for, and they fear that there are additional undiscovered victims. He's maintained the secrets about what he's done with the women. He won't ever tell. It's the last control that he's got, said one investigator. There are probably other barrels waiting to be opened, other bodies waiting to be found. Robinson is known to be responsible for seven homicides, but his total victim tally remains unknown. The following is a chronological summary of the eight victims identified thus far. 1984, Paula Godfrey, age 19, remains never recovered. 1985, Lisa Stasi, 19, remains never recovered. 1987, Heather Clampin, 27, remains never discovered. 1993, Beverly Bonner, 49, remains discovered at a storage facility in Raymore, Missouri. 1994, Sheila Faith, 45, and Debbie Faith, 15, remains of both were discovered at a storage facility in Raymore, Missouri. 1999, Isabella Lewicka, remains discovered at Robinson's Ranch near Lasine, Kansas. 2000, Suzette Troughton, 28, remains discovered at Robinson's Ranch near Lasine, Kansas. John Edward Robinson was many things, con artist, pathological liar, murderer, but many if not most con artists enact crimes against companies like insurance fraud, embezzlement, etc. But that wasn't enough for him and his slave master mentality. He enjoyed inflicting pain on people. There's nothing wrong with a dominant submissive relationship if both parties are willing. But Robinson loved to hurt people scamming a friend for money he was using for his wife's medical bills. I was unable to find reports on what the murdered women looked like as far as BDSM-inflicted injuries, but I suspect he took the role of slave master with them and practiced BDSM with them as, as some of them initially agreed to the contract. John Robinson was a cancer that ruined everything he touched, and it's a shame that he got so many chances to murder innocent people. Please don't forget to tell your friends about the show. 
If you enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. And if you have questions, comments, or case suggestions, please email me at exploringevil at gmail.com. I'm considering reading The Exorcist Diary as part of a Halloween show of the original exorcism that took place here in St. Louis. If you guys would be interested in that, please email me again at exploringevil at gmail.com. Thank you.